Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. So, Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of talking with Maria Daniels. Now, Maria is someone that I got to know a little bit through last year uh, with a group called Indie Pods United, and she was one of the um, hosts, co-hosts of the Indie Pods, and they saw her on there a lot, and and they were kind enough to let me come on and talk about this show, exactly focused on Forward, and and how I got to become a podcaster and, and our own backstory. But Maria's here today, and we're going to have a really nice conversation with her. Maria has a backstory of her own that also ties into the name of her show, Successfully Chaotic, uh, because some of her life has been chaotic, but she has become a success in spite of it. So we're, interesting to, uh, we're interested rather to see how Maria has become focused on forward in her life and see how her story can help us. So Maria, thank you very much for being on our show today. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Tim. Excellent. So what I'll do, Maria, is I'm just going to step back. I'm going to let you tell your story and uh, I'll jump in every now and then. Absolutely. So first of all, I was kind of laughing a little bit, chuckling to myself when you said that I have a backstory, because obviously we all have a backstory, right? And some of our backstories are a little more colorful than others. Um, As you mentioned, I do have a podcast called Successfully Chaotic, and that is named you know, very well for my own life. My life has definitely been chaos. Um, and I always tell people that, you know, everybody has chaos. Everybody's kind of flavor brand of chaos is a little bit different, but we all have it, right? So I'm going to share a little bit of my story and you'll see that my chaos has been kind of um, a little more flavorful maybe than others, you know, but, you know, the idea is just going ahead and trying to press forward because when you're in those low, low, low moments, I always explain it kind of like a fog. You know, you, you know, you're somewhere, you know, in some state on some road, you know, there's a thick fog, but you can't really see clearly where you're supposed to go. And honestly, you don't really need to start barreling forward to try to figure it out, which is what I did. <laughs> you know, I, I press forward and, and, and it's good to press forward. But one of the biggest things is if you don't have a clear direction, you know, you haven't figured out, got your bearings, figured out where you need to go, you know, that pressing forward without a plan, without kind of a target can be detrimental. Um, again, going kind of backwards, way, way, way back. I, you know, suffered um, sexual abuse, um, not one time, but several times by several different people over the course of my youth. Um, And that does a lot of things to people, honestly, you know, it um, makes you question your value, makes you question your entire life, makes you question, you know, just, just everything. And it sets this foundation, you know, when we think of setting a foundation, we think of something that's strong and firm and, you know, ready to build upon. Well, unfortunately, when you go through something like that, it sets a foundation, but it's not really the type of foundation you really even know how to start to build anything upon. So, you know, your life becomes very much a a case of just protection and reaction because, you know, your trust is completely gone. 
you know, you, you trust no one. Um, so, you know, I went through a lot of my life just with this, almost this chip on my shoulder of, I trusted nobody. I didn't need anybody, you know, and it kind of made me, it put me in a place of making decisions that I probably would not have made, honestly, if I had been able to think straight. Um, I don't have a story where I got into drugs or went to prison or anything like that. Instead, I jumped into relationship after relationship. So, you know, after all that happened, I ended up with a pretty steady boyfriend because I, I found out many, many, many years later that I had codependency issues. I didn't even know that was a term at the time, but I was too terrified to be by myself. So attached myself to my current boyfriend at the time. And when he decided to leave, um, I didn't even know what to do because I had literally attached everything to him, attached myself to my now ex-husband. Um, and we ended up having four children together and we ended up divorced. Yet again, I attached myself to yet another man, ended up married again, and I'll have a total of seven children now. So all the reason I'm kind of laying that out there is because I never did um, do the therapy thing. I never did, you know, really get to the source of what my true hurts and fears and everything was, which at the very end of the day was I feared not being in control. I feared I'm trusting anybody. I would give my trust to one person, which was, you know, my boyfriend, my ex-husband, my current husband, but I would give my trust to nobody else. Um, I, you know, I ended up really pouring my idea of happiness into just making that other person happy. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of women and men out there that, you know, kind of fall into that same thing. You know, you hear of people always get into these relationships and they really get into that relationship because it's their lifeline. Honestly, that's what it is. They, they don't know how to make themselves happy. So they try to make that other person happy. And then, you know, that makes them happy instead of really figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to make myself happy? And then I can go find a person if I choose to be with a person and then we can make each other happy. You know, I didn't have that good, healthy balance because I didn't know to have it. Honestly, I'd never, you know, seen a good example of it. Um, you know, I grew up super poor too, which, you know, a lot of people grow up poor, but, you know, it just still adds to things, you know, a lot of things kind of add up. And I always explain it kind of like, you know, you can have a leaky sink, you know, with a drip of water, not a big deal, drip of water, you know, but what if that sink is also clogged? You know, the sink's clogged, the drips of water are going into the sink. Eventually that sink's still going to overflow. So, you know, if you have one or two drops, you know, five or six drops, whatever, you know, it's probably not going to be a big issue, but if you keep getting drips of water in that sink, if it's a clogged drain, it's eventually going to overflow and cause a big problem, big mess. So, you know, in essence, lots of things in my life, like a lot of other people's lives have all kind of added up to, you know, when you make decisions without fully thinking of, you know, the decisions, sometimes I can lead you down paths you just don't want to go. And, and, you know, I've been pretty lucky overall, honestly. I mean, I know, saying the saying that I've been through sexual abuse and I grew up poor and like all these other things and I could tell story after story um, to kind of add on to that I still feel like I'm lucky because even though I was making these not super thoughtful decisions um, I never did get myself into a situation that I wasn't able to get myself out of which I'm thankful for because like I've met lots of people that that's not the case you know um, you know I you know, I say all this just because I want to kind of lay it out to say another example of kind of, I guess it was stressful situation. I'm trying to think of how to word it because I have a, I have an 11 year old who's autistic. He's with my second husband. Um, 
that was my first child with my second husband. So child number five had four children coming into my second marriage. Um, and I want to go and throw it out there too, that we had known each other for six months <laughs> back to codependent. You know, when I say some of this stuff in reverse, like, like as of right now, it's actually, it seems so stupid. Like it really does. But at the time I'm divorced, I have four kids. I, again, have never established how to make myself happy. I meet this guy, perfect guy, says all the right things. You know, he wants to get married. Wow, you know, of course, it's like, it's every girl's dream, right? It's a fairy tale, right? Oh, Prince Charming, come to save me. You see, that's the thing. You know, relationships are complicated. Relationships are so complicated. And we don't think about how complicated they actually are. Because, you know, in essence, we're taking this half-broken person, this half-broken person, <laughs> shoving them together under one roof. And, you know, you add in the fact that we really didn't know each other. I mean, how well can you know each other in six months? I mean, honestly, you can't. So we didn't really know each other. Then we have this ready-made family of four children that I was bringing to the table from a broken home, you know, because, you know, me and their dad were divorced. So, you know, that's a lot of messiness and moving parts to try to shove into, you know, a household. Um, not to mention, that my husband um, was ex-special ops. So PTSD was rampant. And he, again, was a lot like me, stubborn. I'll need therapy. I'll press forward. I'll get through it type of thing. And, you know, we did for a while. Um, you don't think about things because a lot of times you're going through the motions. I'm super fertile. I mentioned I have seven kids. I'm super fertile. Like we high-fived and I was pregnant. Our first child together is on the autism spectrum. And, you know, I'm kind of saying that only to say that even though I love him, I would not change having him. He's made my life so much better. He's taught me literally so much about life. That's a stress. <laughs> it's a stress. You know, you have, I mean, adding a new child at all is a stress. Even if you love them, they're really cute and pudgy and you want to pinch your cheeks is a stress, right? So, you know, I have the four kids from the broken home, new marriage with this dude that I didn't know for long enough to really be married to him. We have this child that's autistic. It's, and it's, it does, it starts to, again, layer these levels of stress, right? I just press forward because that's what I do. I'm I shoving the, you know, shove the crap under the rug type of person. That's how I was raised, honestly. And I think a lot of people that I've talked to anyway um, are like that. It's like, ah, it's not a big deal. We'll push on, you know, it's not a big deal. We'll push on. But again, you know, going back to that analogy to the drips in the sink, you know, eventually it's all going to come to a head, right? It's all going to overflow. So well, it's part of know, this, it's part of the stigma really uh, of, of going through abuse. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to acknowledge it. Um, and maybe that's something that you felt yourself, but you know, those around you who maybe were cognizant of the issues that you had, they too place their stigma upon you because that's, you know, Oh, I don't want to talk about that. And so it becomes very difficult for somebody who has endured any type of abuse to really be able to move forward because they can't get past that one. That's a pretty major roadblock to get past. Yeah, I mean, it most definitely is. And it really, without you even realizing it, it affects every decision you make. Like, I, I don't recall ever thinking, oh, my trauma that I went through is affecting this decision. But looking back, it did. It literally affected every decision that I made. Um, I, you know, it's, it's really funny that, especially from like, uh, I don't know, my late, 20s, like mid to late 20s on, you know, professionally, I, I started kind of separating my life into two, right? So my personal life is like, I never could get my footing. Like, it's like, I never did do well at my personal life. 
And I could, I never did deal with the trauma, first of all, which was the first problem. And then I just kept latching on to some guy to make me happy, second problem. You know, and I just had all this mess that I kept trying to quote unquote fix, but really I was just kind of, you know, masking it. And I never could quite get this footing. So what I did was I thought, well, I just need to press forward in my professional life, really start just, just hitting it hard in my professional life. And, you know, that worked for a while. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I did. I could, you know, I could be work Maria and I was in control. I had to give control of my, you know, work life, my business, my everything. I could, I could go through the motions. I could wear this mask of perfection and be okay, right? I mean, it worked for a while, but, you know, my personal life was still a complete hot mess. You know, um, you know, there was, there was moments early on, you know, when Cade, which is my 11 year old's autistic, when he was younger, it's like, people don't talk about the things that goes on when you have a special needs kid. I mean, you hear about all the, you know, the, the support and all the kinds of, and there is lots of people out there, their support, but there's also, again, a stigma, even with, um, families with special needs kids, you can, it's, it's a very isolating, um, thing to go through. You know, you have this special needs child. Absolutely. It is, it, I mean, and it's, people don't talk about that a lot. They don't talk about the fact that, you know, you quit getting invited to family functions because it's like, okay, well, he can't eat gluten and he can't be around this and he gets over, you know, stimulated if you have this going on. So, you know, it's not that- People tend to focus on the limitation other than the, what can be added by yeah. bringing those those ones into the into the mix and, and the joy that can be had by having Absolutely, and I mean, you have to kind of take a step back and look at perspective based you know, they're probably afraid if they do the wrong thing or have the wrong food or whatever, that's going to cause this big problem. So, you know, it's easier not to include, you know, and it is, it's isolating. You, you quit getting invited to family functions, you know, birthday parties, you know, whatever. And, you know, that's sad enough for the child that is autistic, but it's really sad for the siblings, you know, especially when the siblings are used to doing all these things and all of a sudden, there's nothing that they get to do anymore because everything has to include this filter of this, of having this, you know, autistic child. It's, oh, you know, mom, we would really love to go here. Oh, why well, no, but see, Cade won't do well there because there's too many lights, <laughs> you know, or, oh, mom, we would really love to go here. We couldn't go on vacation. We couldn't, I mean, there were so many things, especially when he was younger. Um, he's 11 now, so he, do, he does a lot better now, but when he was younger, he just couldn't do it. I mean, it was, we had to be home. And I can remember one time we thought, well, what about camping? Sure, yeah. You know, if we're camping, we're away from everybody. If he starts to have a meltdown, you know, it won't be a big deal because, you know, that's the thing. You're always trying to think, you know, about what's going on everywhere with everybody. Right? right. You have to plan ahead. Yeah. It's just how it goes. So I remember we took him camping. He was about 18 months old. That did not go well. That was the last trip that we went on up until about a few years ago, about three years ago. And the last trip we went on because it was a complete meltdown the entire time. You know, he he loved it during the day. He was super excited. We were outside and hiking and doing things. It came to nighttime. He wanted to be in his bed. So he's like freaking out and in the tent and it was just a hot mess. So, I mean, it's just, it's little things like that you don't think about that starts to add layers of stress. Stress to an already stressed, you know, Maria, you know, me, you know, having dealt with trauma my whole life that I'd shoved under the rug, stressed to my husband who had his own traumas of, you know, um, of, of being, you know, left with his grandparents by his parents when they got divorced of, you know, going into, you know, the military doing special ops and all the stuff that he had to endure there, losing people, you know, all that. So, you know, he had his own trauma he built, you know, brought to the table. And then, you know, you, as a parent, you, want to make your children happy. And, you know, my four children obviously was my biological children, but my 
husband has always treated them like his, they're his biological children too. Um, even though they're, my ex-husband is very involved in their life, you know, they just have always had two dads. So, you know, whenever you see your children hurting, you know, that again, adds more stress, you know, trying to figure out how to help this child that, you know, has all these special needs, you know, again, stress, um, isolation from family, stress, no support system, stress. You know, it right. stresses the marriage, it stresses the family unit, it stresses the individual. So again, if you don't start to deal with those things, when they kind of turn on that warning light, it will come out eventually. And we didn't, we didn't deal with it. We just kind of pressed forward thinking that there was like an end to this endless tunnel, which there wasn't, but <laughs> we kept thinking there was, you know? Right, right. Well, that's, I think that's yeah. the reaction of most people is that, you know, we talked about it earlier about yeah. just sweeping it under the rug. We're just going to keep you know, because, um, you know, unfortunately, most people, you know, and a lot of times I say this about men, um, and I being one of those men, uh, you know, we're not typically open yeah. <laughs> with all of our feelings. We, we don't want to talk about it. Oh, we, we can push it off. It'll be fine. We'll be okay. And I think a lot of times what happens is, is that you you have situations like, like some of the things that you've gone through, you know, um, you, those things weren't properly addressed. You just, you swept them under and you you went on to the next thing, which also then you, like you said, yep. added the next level of stress, which makes it more and more difficult to, to uh, appropriately take care of things. And so what you end up with is a imperfectly or a perfectly imperfect mashup of, of issues. Um, well, and they come out and that's what I try to tell everybody. Now you, you may think you're pushing them back and just pressing on, you know, I, I mean, honestly, if you would have asked me, even, I don't know, even five years ago, I would have been like, oh, that's in the past. You know, I want to focus on forward, which that's the mayor podcast, which is great. But here's the thing, you can focus on forward and that gets you going forward in the motions. And that is definitely the thing you want to, you don't want to just stand stagnant. I'm not, I'm not ever going to say stand stagnant and just wait until quote unquote, this magical healing happens. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you're running, you know, it's going to catch up. You know what I mean? It's going to be there. It's going to catch up and it's going to rear its ugly head probably when you least expect it. And, you know, for me, it literally came to this catalyst moment. Me and my husband um, actually hit this moment at the same time. I tell people, you know, I've been divorced once, almost twice, because that was true. Um, back in 2018, my husband, I mean, his PTSD, that's the weird thing about PTSD is you never know when, again, when it's going to come out. And I was under a lot of stress. He was under a That's lot of stress. Trigger it. Oh, yeah. exactly. You know, and, you know, he started having a lot of issues, but sadly at the same time I was too. And that's the thing when you're both drowning, you can't help each other. <laughs> you know, if it had been a year before or whatever, you know, I would have been a lot in a lot better place to try to help hold him up. But my grandparents, which I was super close with, they helped raise me. Um, they both passed away early 2018 within six weeks of each other was unexpected. And um, it, and then my great grandma, which was the only grandparent I had left at that point passed two weeks later. So I went from having three living grandparents to zero within an eight week period of time. So that was kind of the beginning of kind of the snowball of me falling to pieces, because again, you know, I have all, I have all these kids, I have, you know, businesses, I have things that I'm responsible for, I didn't have time to properly mourn. I had to just, you know, deal with what I needed to deal with, with the funerals, deal with what I needed to deal with, with their estate, to just deal with it and move on and not deal with it. But, you know, the, pro the problem is, again, is we all deal with stress a little differently. I tend to deal with stress by getting super quiet and withdrawing, because if I feel a little bit of it, I feel it all. 
And, you know, when you've been holding back this like tidal wave for, you know, 40 years, (laughs) feeling it all is not an option, or I felt like it was not an option. So I just kept pushing it back. Well, you know, my husband took that as an, a, I guess, indicator that I was pulling away from him, which was not the case. I was pulling away from life. I was trying to deal with myself. So that's actually what started him having a lot of his PTSD issues. He kept thinking I was going to leave him because he had abandonment issues. He had been abandoned before. So that, yeah, that that would do it. It would. So he kept thinking that me withdrawing was him and it wasn't. It was me trying to keep all of this stuff that I've been bottling up so long that was festering on the surface, about ready to explode, just in. Because I didn't know how to deal with it at that moment. I was so busy and so overwhelmed. I just couldn't. And unfortunately- yeah. You know, you're trying to basically trying to hold back a title with a screen door. It was, I mean, and that's, you know, that's what it felt like, but you know, again, in retrospect, I love retrospect. Isn't it so great when you look back and it's like, I should have, you know, I should have at that moment called. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> exactly. We should, we should have both, you know, called, you know, a therapist separately called a therapist together and, and going ahead and made those, you know, made those a priority because, you know, it forced our hand, my husband, you know, started having such bad PTSD issues that it got to an abusive point. Um, and that wasn't him that, you know, it was, um, I kept telling him he was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was my husband one moment. And then he was somebody else the next moment. until that. Yeah. Until that switch. flipped. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a really tough place to be in when you're also dealing with all of this internal stuff, you're dealing with trying, like you mentioned, trying to hold back this tidal wave you're dealing with trying to deal with the day-to-day, you know, business ownership, clients, your children, you know, just all of this stuff. And I'm, I don't know which man I have at that moment. And then it could switch at any moment. And, you know, that was terrible. It really was. And it, you know, it caused me to withdraw even more. It caused me to push into my work even more because work was my escape, which again, in retrospect, fueled the flame even more. So here I am, I'm trying to deal with it. I'm withdrawing, pushing into my job. You know, he's having his fears that I was going to leave, which we didn't know that till later, though that's what caused it. But that was, you know, what a lot of the triggers were. So it's like, we were literally fueling each other. The more he would push, the more I would pull, the more I would pull, the more he would push. And we were in this, this, I guess, war, this battle that neither of us was going to win. Um, he ended up having to go into a institution for seven days because of his PTSD. Um, and I was left trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do, because it's like, when you go through that stuff, again, I had trust issues. So this created a whole nother <laughs> level of trust issues under my own roof. Right. So it's like, okay, what's the decision? You know, what do I do? And, you know, honestly, I didn't even know we ended up, I ended up filing for divorce because I, at that moment, I, I couldn't deal with it. Um, we ended up going, it was about, it was May of 2019. We ended up both going to counseling at the time. It was going to be just to, you know, deal with what we needed to deal with enough to be able to co-parent our children. Cause again, we have, we have three children together, four from my first marriage. So seven total, and then the one of special needs. So, you know, what does this look like? How do we do this? What are we supposed to do? So what ended up being, you know, just us going to counseling to try to co-parent properly ended up being us being sent to separate therapists like we should have done the entire time, being, you know, sent to deal with our own stuff. And once we figured out that we were dealing with our own stuff and we were going to these 
um, co-counseling to be able to help co-parent, we started figuring out that a lot of these problems, you know, weren't as irreparable as we thought they were. Um, and, and I always disclaimer myself to say that, you know, if you're in an abusive situation, you know, there, there is no, nothing that says that you should ever have to work things out. Um, my husband had to do the work. He had to do the work to figure out what was causing that because yes, there's lots of, of whys for why he got to that level. Uh, lots of understandable whys. If you knew a lot of his story, it would be like, wow, okay, I completely understand that. But at the same time, that's never an excuse, you know, and, and, and how to get to the point where um, I believed that he knew that that wasn't an excuse before I could start to trust him again. And, you know, there's still certain things that are off limits, even now. I mean, there's still certain topics off limits. There's still, you know, certain boundaries that I have in place that honestly, I'll probably always have in place. Um, we were able to save our marriage. We were able to, we still go to counseling, um, but we were able to fix it. Um, it's, you know, there are times where it's able to be fixed. Um, you know, he did some terrible bad things and hurt me in a lot of ways, but he's not a terrible bad person. And I think that's, something to really realize with people that again that doesn't mean that you ever have to work it out with somebody there's there's a million reasons that I shouldn't have you know and I didn't have to and I don't didn't have to but you know it was the best decision for us we felt that it was the best decision you know for us to kind of move forward in that way you know um on my work side I actually had to um create a balance for myself because work was my escape and you know it's okay to have an escape as long as it's a, on a healthy level but it was an escape to the level of hiding from my personal life <laughs> so you know people are like oh my gosh you're so how did you do it how are you so successful i'm like well that was my escape so every time that right. i felt stressful in my personal life i would push into business right you so, go bury yourself over there it would and you know again there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful there's nothing wrong with having goals and dreams and being driven i i've I'm a driven person. I like being a driven person, but you know, it's always important to know that you have to take a step back, look at your entire life as a whole and say, okay, what, number one, why am I doing this? You know, what's the reasons? Because working hard at a goal because I have the goal and I want to achieve something, that's a great thing. Working really hard at a goal because there's something going on in my personal life that I'm ignoring and I don't know how to deal with, so I'm not dealing with it, mm, not so good of a reason, right? It's just setting up a problem for later on down the road. And I think it's important to say that because I've seen a lot of people do that. A lot of people hide from their personal life because, you know, we all want to feel in control of our life, right? We all want to feel like we're in the driver's seat and that, that's a good thing. We do. I get that. But, you know, it's, you're not going to actually be in control of your life if you're hiding from a portion of your life. So, and, Agreed. you know, yeah. it's just, that's, I mean, I see that happen over and over and over. So, you know, honestly, um, I can, with my podcast being called Successfully Chaotic, the name of it actually came from a speaking engagement um, that I've been doing titled the same thing. Um, I entitled it Successfully Chaotic because I would share, you know, just a very brief, you know, cliff notes of, you know, going through trauma, going through stress, going through whatever, and that um, I, you know, was had to figure out and how to define my own definition of success, because part of my problem, I think, because, you know, I never grew up with money. So my idea of the success was always linked to this title, this car, this house, this dollar amount in my bank account, right? Because I thought my life was so chaotic 
it was so crazy. It was so, you know, to me awful that I thought that if I had that, then it would be good, right? Because if you have the money, you can do whatever. Well, the problem is that that doesn't equate happiness. That doesn't equate health. That doesn't equate mental stability. That doesn't equate any of those things. That just means you might go be able to go buy something. That's not going to make it happy anyway. So, I mean, that was the biggest thing. You know, when I reached that point of making what I thought was a successful amount of money, what I thought was a successful title, I, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. I actually started to feel less in control because, you know, you when you have that goal in mind, it's like, well, when I get there, then, then everything will be okay. Right. It wasn't, I started losing my footing. Yeah. I, a lot of people don't realize that you, you, it's okay. And it's healthy to have goals and aspirations and things that you want to do. But when you lose control of the work-life balance, one overrides the other, yep. there's always going to be an issue. You're, you're either going to alienate your, your family or you're going to alienate your need for work and to take care of those things. There, there's a, a delicate balance there, and if, and if we if we slide one way too far in, in any direction, it, it's it's unhealthy. So yeah, that's a very a very much needed thing in all of our lives. Because if we're going to be focused on forward, if we're going to uh, have a, a good view of how to move ourselves forward in life, it has to come from a balanced position. You can't you can't feed somebody if you have an empty cupboard. Yeah. You can't uh, take care of other people if you have an empty soul. So you have to take care of those things in order to be able to move forward. So how are we doing with the work-life balance now? It's good. I mean, it's, you know, honestly, I describe work-life balance as this like giant balloon game. Have you, did you ever play a balloon game as a kid where you just have all these balloons in the air and you're just trying to keep them Oh yeah, keep, try to keep, keep them floating, yeah. That is work-life balance because that's another thing. You know, I love Pinterest. Don't get me wrong, I love Pinterest, but I tried to Pinterest myself into work-life balance and thought that there was this like magical 50-50 work-life balance that was out there, you know, waiting if I had the right you know, Pinterest board available and I followed all the steps and checked all the boxes. And, you know, I mean, it's just, that's not how it works. Right. So, you know, Pinterest is great, but it will screw you up if you try to, you know, go ahead and follow it to that extent. So you have to figure out what works in your life, you know, and, and I think that's what kind of really, when I say define your own success, you know, if you equate it to being able to buy a Ferrari, whatever, I'm not saying don't buy the stuff, don't make the money. I'm saying don't wrap up your idea of happiness into somebody else's definition of success. I'm saying, you know, figure out what makes you happy because right now I know what makes me happy. Freedom makes me happy. Being able to make my own decisions makes me happy. Being able to say, you know what, today I don't feel like working because, you know, my 15 year old decides she needs some mom time. I can tell because she's got a bad attitude. So I'm wiping my calendar and I'm focusing on her. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. And now back to Focused on Forward. I'm at a place now that I can completely do that because I own my own business. I run my own life, I, you know, and to me, that is far more successful than what I had ever thought success was before, you know, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, they're still chasing this idea, you know, and I, you know, and I see a lot of the stuff that like the hashtag hustle, the hashtag grind and, you know, all this stuff. And it's great. There's nothing wrong with it again, but sometimes you can get wrapped up in the hustle and grind mentality. You have no idea what you're hustling for and why you have no idea what you're grinding for and why you're just doing it. You're going through the motions because you got the Pinterest board that you're checking off thinking that that's going to make it happen, you know, and again, Pinterest is great. 
you know, checklist, great goals are great. I mean, you could see me what well, people that are listening can't, but behind me, I've got my whole Kanban board of stuff. I like my lists. I like my stuff going on. I like to know what's going on. I like planning, but all in all, you have to figure out, you know, what works for you, what works within your life of success. You know, the going back to the work-life balance and the balloon game, you know, what balloons do you want in the air? Because if, you know, there's no way you can keep a million balloons from hitting the ground, right? It's not a feasible action. So you choose what balloons go in your balloon game, you know, AKA your life, and you choose what you need to focus on at any time. Cause you know, what's gonna happen is if you start to focus a little more on work, which happens because you get busy, clients need you, new projects, whatever, you start to notice that the, you know, the family balloon starts sinking just a little bit, right? But when you see that, you know, it's time to turn and focus on the family balloons, pop them back up in the air again, start focusing on that. And then you'll notice the business balloons start, you know, sinking again. That to me, that is work-life balance. It is never going to be this 50-50 thing to where it all just equals out perfectly. It is always going to be the, this, you know, idea that you're always trying to just keep the balloons from hitting the ground. And I think understanding that is so important for people, especially if you are, you know, managing, you know, a family, children, you know, you just, the more balloons you put in the game, the harder it is to keep them up in the air, right? So, you know, you add all those things in there, the idea is just to keep them afloat. And that's good enough because you can put so much pressure on yourself for this perfection, um, this idea that you're going to have it all perfect, all balanced, all, you know, Pinterest perfect and ready, curated that you're gonna drive yourself completely insane. You know, and I think, um, I don't, you know, I, I'm not been a man before, so I can't say how men feel, but I know from a woman's standpoint, you know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have the perfect everything, the perfect house, the perfect kids that are always clean and neatly dressed, perfect, you know, everything, Dre be dressed nice, be this, be that. You can put so much pressure on yourself that you will drive yourself completely insane because it is impossible. And all of these, Instagram, beautiful Instagram accounts that you see, I guarantee you that not everything that they have is like that. And I think that's what made me go ahead and come out with the idea, like my own branding is not curated and perfect. Half the time I come on my live shows looking like a hot mess because I decided a long time ago that I'm going to show up as I am. You know, sometimes I'll look cute and I had time to fix my hair and put some makeup on. And, you know, sometimes my house is clean, but sometimes it's just like my goal is to just not, not let it be nasty because I hadn't had time to, you know, fully clean. It's not going to be Pinterest worthy every single day. It has its moments to shine, but it's not every single day, you know. So I think showing those moments, I think is so important for me, for my brand. My brand is real, raw and authentic. For my brand, I wanted to be that person out there saying, you can have a not perfect life. You can have a successfully chaotic life. You can define your own idea of success. You can take whatever chaos flavor that's in your life and make it into something. Use it as a catalyst. You know, I mean, it, it can happen. You don't have to sit and wait back for things to be perfect or to wait for this destination to happen or that destination to happen. Because I think people do that. And I did that. I kept you know, I would look oh, online. Does. They do. It's just like, well, when I get here, then when then I get I'll be here, happy, then, then I yeah. can do that. Then I'll be okay. And you know, the thing too, about those Instagram pictures and the Facebook pictures and Twitter pictures and all this stuff, 
they're great. They're fine. You know, they're wonderful. Uh, but you also have to remember how many takes did, did they have to Absolutely. take to find that one picture? Did they, you know, how many filters did they go through to find the, the prettiest way to, to pose it? Uh, you know, that, that house that's all perfectly staged, how many hours of cleaning did it take? You know, how unhappy was the family who couldn't go into that room and use it? Mm -hmm. You know, and I've often, because we have three kids and two dogs and two cats and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure there's a partridge in a pear tree somewhere <laughs> if we look hard enough, but you know, I've always said that I, I would rather have a lived in home than yep. a perfect home. And, you know, cause there's a difference between a lived in home and a dirty home. Exactly. You know, if you, and if for those who are listening, who have kids and animals and all that, the accoutrements that come with those uh, two and four legged creatures, um, you know, there, there's a, there's a bit of chaos that goes with that. And I, I think you actually add more stress and instability in your life by trying to keep everything perfect, trying to keep up appearances and trying to, you know, so I'm not saying you steer into the skid and you just go for the, the dump house. I'm saying, you know, just, you know, let it be lived in, let it be happy uh, where it's at. So, but yeah, you've got some really good points here and, and Maria and, and, and the, I think your approach to the balloon game of life, I think it's a healthy approach. And I think if you, you know, if people, uh, adopt that that's a, a probably a good way to go uh, because there's never going to be a perfect 50 50 balance in anything that we do in Absolutely life not. And, and I think that you know part of that is because people forget that we are all imperfect human beings there's not one of us who does anything absolutely perfect every single time and so if you're trying to find a perfect balance or a perfect place or a perfect thing well you're already set yourself up for failure Absolutely. Uh, and so that's that's one of the biggest issues. So uh, let's talk about uh, now. We, we, so we've listened to you for the past few minutes and, and all the things that you've you've gone through, how you've moved past them. Uh, and not that you've moved past them. We all have to deal with them. There's still things that are going to affect you from day to day, clearly, because that's not how the human brain works. It's not just that one day we go, oh, OK, well, we're done with this. I'm this, healed. <laughs> I'm healed. Everything's fine. Look at me go. Uh, that's not the, that's not how the brain works. But Let's, let's look back at some of these things. Each of them gives us a life lesson. Mm -hmm. So looking back on the story of Maria Daniels, what is the greatest life lesson that you have learned? To really tap into my own strength. Um, again, I latched on to somebody else, uh, whether it was, you know, boyfriend, husband, whatever, even my kids. I used my kids as sources of happiness. You know, I, I never knew how to be happy just being me. I never knew how to make myself happy. Um, I had to be doing something for someone else. And then their happiness, I would absorb as my happiness, right? So I think, you know, that's the biggest lesson, honestly, if, if, if I could kind of go back to younger me, you know, I would teach myself the fact that I need to make myself happy because, you know, that old saying that, you know, pour from an empty cup, I had read that way before I realized that I was a miserable human being that was just like sucking in other people's happiness to, as my own. But, you know, I didn't really, it didn't really resonate with me because I didn't understand, you know, the, 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 the saying that, you know, things in the rear view, you know, they, they seem so clear, you know, you know, the things that already happened, they just seem so clear is, is so true because, you know, I look back now and it seems so obvious, like all the stuff seems so obvious, how much I was hurting, how much I was stuffing things away, how much I didn't 
really know how to, to feel and to deal with my own emotions. So I just didn't deal with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what it would be is just to, to tell myself that I need to figure out what makes me happy, how to make myself happy. And then I can share that with others. You know, the idea, yeah, I, I'm a helper. I've always been a helper. All of my businesses, and I've got several, if you dig back to the core of every single one of them, it's I'm a helper. And I always want to be a helper. But, you know, there's a book and most people, I always, I, I, when I say this, they have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's fine. I'm going to say it anyway. You probably don't know what I'm talking about, but it really um, impacted me. So I'm saying it anyway. Um, there's a book called Sin Eater, actually. And I remember when I read that book, um, it, you know, basic overview of the book is there's this, this man that lives in this village and, you know, people go and he absorbs their sins, no matter what it is, you know, hatred, just terrible things. He's absorbing it. But every time he absorbs it, he gets sicker you know, until it gets to the end and then he dies from absorbing so many people's sins. I feel like my entire life, that's what I was. I was a sin eater. You know, my mom would have a problem. I would fix it. You know, my dad would have a problem. I would fix it. My sister, would have a I, you know, I was this fixer, you know, a sin eater, you know, and again, there, there's a level of that that's healthy. I always want to be the helper. That's just, you know, that's who I am. That's who I feel like I was, you know, designed to be. But if, if you're not filling yourself up, if you're not figuring out you know, what at the core essence, your needs, if you're not putting that as a priority, eventually you're going to be like that sin eater and you're going to take on so much that you just die. All right. Well, that's cool. It's good that you recognize that because I don't think a lot of people do. And I think that that's what kind of keeps them on that empty balance and that makes it harder for them to be able to move forward. Absolutely. All right. So here's the next question. Uh, that was part one of the questions I like to ask every guest. Here's part two. Okay. Looking back over the life story of Maria Daniels, what was the greatest piece of advice that you have been given? Oh, Lord. Um, I hate to say the same exact thing. <laughs> I feel like it goes back to the same thing. Um, you know, one day when I, you know, I don't remember if it was in a book or read a meme or whatever, the don't pour from an empty cup hit me different. You know, I had seen it, I don't even know how many times before that, but one day it hit different than it did any other time before that. And I mean, call it what you will. I was ready to understand it. It was divine, you know, intervention, whatever, call it whatever you want to call it. But one day it just hit me different that, okay. It finally it mattered did. in your life. You know, I understood it. It clicked, you know, at that moment where it didn't before. I was like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. You know, don't pour from an empty cup. You know, I could say it, but I didn't feel it. I didn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't feel it probably because I wasn't living it and I didn't even realize it, but one day it just hit different. So, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to say that because again, it doesn't matter how many wonderful, amazing things that you're doing for somebody else, you know, eventually your cup's going to run dry if you're not pouring into it. All right. I'm good with that. All right. So in a few minutes ago, we talked about how you came up with the name of, of your show, Successfully Chaotic. But let's take a minute and tell the listeners about your show. Now we know where you got the name from, but what's the what's the premise of the show? What do you talk about over there? What do you do? Uh, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so successfully chaotic primarily was for um, entrepreneurs, small business owners, um, or even people that were wanting to be an entrepreneur to come on and talk about their own success stories, struggles. You know how they how they found their success in the midst of chaos, right? But it's kind of you know broadened a little bit um, to become kind of a little bit of a variety you know how that happens sometimes it, it's broadened because you know I do have a wellness company I'm an integrative nutritionist um, 
you know, I was a trainer for years. I'm an herbalist. I've got this other like wellness world. And at the core of people's being, if they don't feel good, you know, a lot of times they're, they're not going to be good. Right. So, you know, there's so many different moving parts to a whole and happy human that, you know, we did touch on that some, a little bit of wellness relationships, you know, parenting, you know, I've had some episodes about, about autism because that's my life. So it's kind of become, you know, just a broad version of the idea that, you know, we're all layered, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen Shrek. And um, onions have layers. layers. (laughs) There you go. I use that all the time because people also have layers, not just ogres. Right. So it's kind of become this idea that, well, you know, if even if our listener base primarily is entrepreneurs and they are, you know, I've I've done the, you know, the analytics on it. They're primarily entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs have layers. They also have relationships. They also have children. They also have all these other things that dial in and affect their business because it does, you can't completely keep it in separate compartments. And I think that's an important thing for people to know that I didn't know for the longest time. I, I think I mentioned earlier that I tried to keep, you know, separate Maria lives. I had my business life that, you know, I was all gung ho and yeah, I got this. And I have my personal life where I walked on eggshells and I felt like I was dying inside, you know, and I had to keep them separate because that was the only way that I could cope at that moment because I wasn't dealing with it. Right. But see, once you start to really try to heal and deal with things, it's almost impossible to keep everything completely compartmentalized. You know, I mean, they leak out. You might try to be like, okay, well, this is my, and I'm all for batching. Trust me, I'm, you know, I'm in marketing and business consulting. Batching is great. You'll get more done. But stuff leaks over. You know, you'd be batching and sending emails and your kid calls from school because they're sick. You know, stuff leaks over into each other. You can make the best plan possible and be on your way to that meeting. That's going to be your life-changing meeting on the way to the babysitter, the kid projectile vomits from the back seat. You know, life's chaos. It just happens, right? So things are going to leak into each other. So, you know, overall, you know, if you are trying to like just spend your time putting everything back into the proper compartment, you're going to drive yourself insane. So the idea with, you know, kind of blending it into this kind of a variety show still dials back to making a a great entrepreneurship journey, making a great business journey because we are dealing with all levels, all layers of, you know, the person. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, what um, we've become. And we've, we've kind of come out now with a few new live shows where we come in like niche down and we've kind of broadened because it just organically happened. And now we're niching out with live shows, very specific and targeted to be able to kind of, I guess, fulfill my need to be able to (laughs) make sure I'm niching down. You know, the marketing person in me is always trying to target and it's hard to target on a broad (laughs) level. So, you know, we have, I I didn't want to change the dynamic of the show. It's working. And, you know, even if, you know, from a marketing level, you know, I was to say, well, if we niche down, we can market that show better and get it, you know, whatever. It's become what it's supposed to be, I feel. And I didn't want to mess with it. So to, the way to make me feel better about all that is I've decided that, you know, I ended up, I'm launching out some live shows that are, you know, specific business, specific wellness, you know, so we've done that. So, so, so your show is living up to its name. It's it successfully, is successfully chaotic. chaotic. It is definitely successfully. That's chaotic. awesome. I love it. All right. Well, cool beans. Well, kids, if you're interested in hearing Maria's show, you can find it on any of your uh, podcast destinations. You can look up for her there. Um, where can they find the video streams, Maria? Um, we do stream live to Successfully Chaotic Facebook page, Successfully Chaotic YouTube channel, and we have a, stwi- a Twitch channel. 
which I'll be honest, I have not all the way figured out Twitch. It's streaming there, but we've done nothing else with it. So if you're on there, I'm, I'm just, right there with you. It's like the buttons there. I'm like, oh well, I guess it'll I have one. There. I send it there. I don't know who all's watching, but it, it goes there. there. It's there. So it's whatever. It's it's one of those things that's on my list to figure out how all that works one day, but it's not yeah, on the top same of the list. So it's part of the to-dos. Exactly. So it, it is there. Um, we you can listen to the podcast also on our website. We do have a website. I haven't started streaming to the website keep people getting asking me that if I'm on stream, that's a whole nother plug-in deal that I don't know if I want to deal with. Uh, I'll be honest, but you can go to our website, link through to the Facebook page, link through to the YouTube channel and watch them there. I'll probably just keep it like that, honestly, but it's um, successfullychaotic.com. Perfect. Okay. All right. So there's, there's a lot here to kind of wrap our head around and things that you've gone through in life and, and everything else, but just to kind of cap things off here, I think it's important for us each to recognize that at some point in Maria's life, counseling therapy was necessity to be able to help her to move forward. We can't move forward in our life until we have identified our issues, till we've identified the path we need to take and we take action. Those are the three steps for us to be able to help ourselves heal because those are the things that help us to help others in our life as well. So we identify our issue we identify the path, we take the action. It's a much needed three-step three step process. And two, uh, that applies to many things that affect us, whether it's abandonment issues, whether it's PTSD, whether it's sexual abuse, whatever it may be, uh, those things can help us. And I also just want to put this out there. If you're listening and you're unsure of how to address uh, issues with sexual abuse, here's a phone number that you can call at any time. It's one 800 656-HOPE, and that goes to RAIN.org. Uh, RAIN is the is a beautiful organization. They help people through all types of sexual trauma, um, whether it was rape, abuse, incest, whatever it is, they're there to help. It's a national network. You can check them out at RAINN.org, and there's a private chat there that you can have with a qualified counselor. Or again, that phone number is one 800 656 hope. Please give them a call and let them help you. So Maria, thank you so much for being on Focused on Forward today. We appreciate you as a guest. And uh, if you guys are looking for a chaotic, fun little show to listen to, uh, I highly suggest Maria's show. I'm a subscriber. I listen and uh, I try to catch her on uh, her live shows as much as possible. Um, but uh, she's she's a good watch. She's a good listen. And uh you know, there's even, there's some humor thrown in there too. So uh, I can't recommend it enough. But again, Maria, thank you for being on the show. It was great. Thank you. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcast FOF, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email forward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.